This morning, this is coming into the Thanksgiving season. And I want to speak on a topic of thankfulness. And I want to call this true thankfulness. Truly thankful. Do we really know what that means? To be truly thankful. Now, I know that we've heard many Thanksgiving sermons. And we've heard all that we think we know, that we can hear of what it means to be thankful. And that we in this country have many things to be thankful for. We're blessed people, aren't we? I mean, we all have a lot of material things, don't we? Yeah, we do. We're a blessed people. Even though sometimes, even in our blessedness, there are sometimes we think we're, we're not, that we have problems. Compared to the rest of the world, however, our problems are minimal. Compared to the rest of the world, we are rich. We have a place to lay our head down every night. We have, a plate, we have food in our plate every day. Uh, we, have a, we have a place to go to work. We have freedom without persecution to worship the Lord. And the list goes on and on. For those things, we are to be very thankful. And you know, when things are going well, typically it is pretty easy to be thankful, isn't it? Even if we're skin deep in our thankfulness. It's pretty easy when things are going well. But I wonder if we truly, really understand what it means to be thankful when things aren't going so well. You know, when, it, when things is, aren't going so well in life, when we do have a sickness, when we do have problems in our life, do we really understand the significance of thankfulness then? When we're not quite as strong as we used to be. Yeah, we might have some, we might have a few blowy days up here. You know, we may have some, some wintry, icy days in northern Michigan. But, you know, thank the Lord we don't have some of the catastrophes that are happening around the rest of the world. We're, we're, we're very protected up here, aren't we? We have, we have a lot to be thankful for. How many days have we gone through that, <clears throat> our days, only to get to bed at night and say, Lord, I'm struggling. Show me what I'm thankful for when I have all the things that I have. It kind of questioned me. This, it, kind of, it kind of challenged me in my thinking. And, uh, and, I, and I just want to kind of set that as a tone this morning as we go through the service today that we can appreciate the goodness of God. He is so good, isn't he? He is so unbelievably good. And he's blessed us with so much. And yet there are some times when I am so unthankful. And I'm so ungrateful. And I take the things in life for granted so much. And I just have to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for that. I don't want to be that man sitting at the edge of his bed at night saying, Lord, I'm struggling. Show me what I should be thankful for when I have all these things. First, less, first Thessalonians, Larry struggles with his words, I struggle with mine. And I have a lot more of them than Larry has that I struggle with. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, and 7, 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What a powerful little set of words. What a powerful scripture. But is it always easy to be joyful? Let's be honest this morning. Let's not play the church game. Let's be honest and know that it's not always easy, is it? What happens when bad things happen? Are there situations in life that are so bad that we are not able to be thankful? Can life get so bad that we have the right to complain? Well, according to the Word of God, we are to be thankful in everything and for everything, 
We're instructed to be thankful in what God is doing for us and through us as we go through life. We're to be thankful in all things, all circumstances, all problems, all situations, not for the problem, but for the result of what God is going to do as a result of the problem. And if we can keep that mentality in our heart, if we can get that that process of thinking, that we can understand that God sees the bigger pictures of life. He knows the beginning from the end. That's what his word says. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knew you before you were even a, even before the creation. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knows you, he knew you, and he knows your end. His plan encompasses all of your life, not just the moment that you're living in right now. Do you know that? His plan goes beyond today. He didn't plan for you to get to to today and then leave you hanging. No, no, his plan goes beyond this. His plan goes beyond today, goes beyond tomorrow, goes beyond next week. His plan goes for you personally through eternity because he has a plan laid out for your life to take you from the beginning to the end through all eternity. That's his plan. Don't you also know that God wants only the best for you? His desire is to give you the best of life. Jesus loved you so much that he gave up himself to die for you and I. He gave up his life for our salvation. And if you can believe that, then you can also believe that his desire is only for the best for you. He doesn't desire for you to live in pain or confusion or strife or stress or any other ungodly emotion. Doesn't mean we're not going to have them, but that's not his desire for you. His desire is as you have these, that you would focus on him and then look at the process of what are you going to be like when you get through them. We're going to talk about that much more later. Rather, God wants us to experience the joy, the peace, the rest, the mercy, the grace, the love of God. That's what he wants us to experience. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. We all know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that a great verse? God knows that. He knows that he has plans that are for us and that are not to harm us. But yet... But yet, they are, these plans might take us through some trials. These plans might take us through some testing. These plans that are not to harm us may take us through some dark times. See, I can be tempted to, to, to make this passage say something that it's not saying. I can be tempted to try to take this passage and, and twist it around so that I can say that God is not going to give me any problems. That God's plan for me is to make me happy every day. Merry, merry, merry all the time. But that's not what God's word says. And I don't want to throw water on your fire. 
but I want to be realistic so that I know, so that we know that we interpret God's word correctly. And when God says, I have plans that are to prosper you, the prosperity comes through a growth process that the seed has to be planted in the ground first and the seed has to die, the seed has to germinate, and then the time it takes time to, for that seed to grow up so that I have a harvest. In your life, the plans for your prosperity are in a similar fashion. You may have to go through some difficult times first. But God's plan is not to leave you in the difficult times. God's plan is not to leave you in the ground dead. God's plan is to raise you up and to germinate in your life and to bring fullness of your life and to bring for you prosperity through his, through his, through his planning process, not through my desires. His plans are all about the hope for the future. Yeah, do you hear that? His plans are about the hope in the future. We end up many times losing our hope in the future because we can't get past the moment. We can't get past the the daily grind of living a life of ungratefulness, boredom, difficulty. And God's saying, you know, I have a plan. I have a plan that is so much more than that if you would just move past that. If you would just unfocus your eyes off the temporary and put your eyes on the eternal. And yeah, it's hard. I know it's hard. But the Bible says I'm there. I'm your strength. I'm going to get you through the process. How many times, how many times do we misquote scriptures thinking that we're doing it for the right thing, but maybe we're taking it and maybe we're putting scriptures, maybe we're, we're, we're putting the end all before the process. I know God wants good things for me. But what does he have to do sometimes in my life so that I can get the good things? You see, good example, a simple little example. This morning in Sunday school class, I was to teach Sunday school this morning and my throat is raspy. And you know, and I could be pretty disappointed about that and I could be saying, God, you're not healing me. But you know what? What that did was it made me not talk so much. And it allowed other people to speak. And as a result, other people were, 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 we learned from other people today. God uses things to accomplish his plan. We may not agree with that. We may not understand it. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to understand it for God to complete it. God will complete the task whether I understand it or not. He will complete his promises to me whether I agree with it or not. He will, complete, he will com- make my life full whether I can grasp how or not. My job is just to allow it to happen. My job is just to receive it. We're to let the Holy Spirit guide us through the problems rather than hide us from the problems. That's so important for us to recognize that. That God is going to guide us through the problems rather than hide us from them. Matthew Henry, his commentary says this. He says, people are very apt to complain of bad times. It were well if that stirred them more to redeem time. Be not unwise. Ignorance of our duty and neglect of our soul shows the greatest folly. All God's people have reason to sing for joy. Though we are not always singing, we should be always giving thanks. 
always, even in trials and afflictions, and for all things, being satisfied of their loving intent and good tendency. As Matthew Henry says here, that we are to be satisfied through the problems as God is working out his loving intent for us in our hearts. That we're to be satisfied through the problems. We're not to be um, complaining and to be wishing life away. We're to be satisfied in the problems of life because God's doing a mighty work. Psalms chapter 100, verses 1 through 5. I need your help here. Would you read this for me, please? Let's start in verse 1. Would you read this? Everyone read this together. Use your voice so I don't have to use mine. Starting in verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord. Come before Him. Know that the Lord, it is He who made us. We are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates. Thanksgiving. Let's praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Isn't that an awesome passage? You know, go home when you get home today and read it again. And read it again. And read it again. And let the passage speak to you and about God's goodness. And about His plans for your life. James McDonald talks a little bit about this passage in one of his commentaries. And he was, I think this is very good. <clears throat> let me read this to you from James McDonald. The eventual conclusion of every generation is, of God's children is he is good. You might not think it now, but if you are his, you will have this figured out by the end of your life. Before your last day, God is good will come from your lips. Only the Lord knows what he will have to take you through to get you there. But if you're God's child, eventually your value system will align in such a way that you will conclude, the Lord does all things well. He is good. Everything he allowed, everything he withheld, every difficult season, every stretching circumstance, he meant for good. His disposition is kindness. His default action is for your benefit. He's good, and someday you will taste it. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Every generation of believers learns this truth, and God wants you to experience his goodness. It flows to you as steadfast love and faithfulness, and it is present in everything he does. How do we do this? How do we keep this known fact about God's goodness in our lives even when life isn't always feeling that way? Because I know life doesn't always feel good, does it? Does life feel good for you all the time? No, it doesn't. Romans chapter 8 tells us, Paul tells us how we, thanks Mosey, thanks, he tells us for how we pray in these kinds of situations knowing that God had everything in control. And everything is to our best intention. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8, 26 through 28. Let's read this. Turn it in your Bible or you can look on the screen. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. <clears throat> we do not know what we ought to pray for, 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through God through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that awesome? We know that if I'm a child of God, if I am a child of God, that there is nothing that God brings into my life that isn't for my good. Are you a child of God this morning? Have you accepted Jesus into your life? Is he, does he call you child? Are you adopted as a, as, a, as a family member into the kingdom of heaven? If you are, then you know that everything that happens, that God works everything out for your good. Everything. There's nothing that is not workable for your good if you're a child of God. But do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder about God, about his goodness? Or how could any good come out of the bad things that are happening in your life? Yeah. See, sometimes I think that we need to remember that God's plans for us are often, if not always, often if not always, born through the adversity of life. That's just the way it is, folks. That's just the way it is. So rather than, rather than fight that, rather than look your ways around that, rather than look your way around that adversity and say, God, deliver me from it, what you need to be praying is, God, deliver me through it so that I can be the better person you want from me as a result of the adversity. That you, can, that you can birth in me the, man, the type of man, the type of godly woman you want me to be. And if we would just grasp that thought and we would understand that God's plan for us comes through that way of living, through faithfulness in the face of adversity. Now, let me tell you one other thing. God loves you so much that if you don't get that, if you still struggle with that, can I tell you that he loves you so much that he will discipline you and he will rebuke you trying to get you to see it that way? See, the God, God has a path for us. He has a path of, 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 of discipline and he has a path of all of this. <laughs> You're lucky today because I got my notes reversed. And now I'm on page five already. <laughs> so either I'm going to go backwards and repeat everything I just did, or I'm just going to go to page six. God has a plan. God has a plan. <laughs> Man, hope I can recover. So we're just going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about how God rebukes us. The, both the old, I had so much good stuff too. The... The, the Bible talks to us in the Old and New Testament of God's plan of rebuke and of God's plan of discipline in our life. And it's important that we don't fight this. God, has, God wants to chisel me to be the man of God he wants me to be. He wants to take off the rough edges from me. He wants to take off that extra clay that is my holding on to. And he wants to remove that from me so that I can be, that I can be pure in his sight. And to do that, he might have to bring me some discipline. He may have to bring some rebuke in my life. Psalms chapter 118, starting at verse 18, it says, The Lord, this is David speaking. Remember how we talked about David at the beginning of the service? 
The Lord has chastened me severely. What does the word chastened mean? Disciplined. He spanked me. He corrected me. Severely. But he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. The Lord chastens us. Why would he do that? Because he loves us enough to discipline us. Because, because he loves us so much that he doesn't want me to uh, slip through his fingers. He doesn't want you to slip into the enemy's territory because that he wasn't on the watch. He wasn't disciplining you. He loves you so much that he will go to the extra effort to bring discipline into your life, to bring rebuke into your life, so that we will not be ungrateful for the thanksgiving of all the things that he's done for us. Psalms 94, 12. Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. Blessed is the man that you discipline, O Lord. Let's read the Bible and let's appreciate what the Bible is talking about, discipline. See, as we endure the process, we will learn through the process. And if we are a teachable person, we will learn the lessons that God is wanting us to know. And he's wanting us to learn so that we then can get through the moment into the eternity. And in the process, we can lead others with us. Because my adversity, my learning how to go through that adversity, I may be able to use that to help somebody else down the road for them to get through their adversity. And if I snuck around mine, then how am I going to help them through theirs? So I have to go through sickness. I have to go through heartache. I have to go through disappointment. I have to go through lost loved ones. I may have to go through a job closure. I may have to go through lots of stuff. And as I go through that, the Lord is teaching me what he wants me to know. He's chiseling me up to make me a more fit specimen to come into the kingdom of God. And at the same time, he's teaching me so that I can be that person that can come along somebody else in the future to say, you know what, I understand. I empathize with you. I sympathize with you because I know what it feels like to be hurt. Because somebody probably did that for you. And the only way they could do that for you is if they were hurt prior to that time too. So as God brings us these things, we're to be thankful for those things. We're to be thankful for the hard times of life. We're to be thankful for the job losses because we then can be more grateful when he brings the sustenance later. Amen? Paul speaks again in Romans, verse 18. Why does he say these verses? 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then he goes on and he talks to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. He says to them, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Wait a second. Are you going through a hard time today? Is you, would you say that your time, your hard time is light and momentary? Or does it seem heavy and forever? Yeah, but what Paul's teaching us here is our perspective. 
what he's teaching us here as, as we keep a perspective of eternity versus temporary, that all of a sudden the heavy and forever seems light and momentary when I compare it to eternity. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, there's that word, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is unseen is, or what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul had it figured out. The Lord revealed it to him that what is seeing is seen in my physical eyes are not the things that are going to last for eternity, but what I don't see are the things that are eternal. Paul had that revelation, and he's trying to share it with us. Jesus speaks to us in a similar fashion about rebuking and about disciplining. If you go to the last book of the Bible, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse, nine, it says, verse 19, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Let's read that again. Those who's, first of all, who's saying the words? Jesus. Okay, read this with me. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Who's rebuking? Who's disciplining? Yeah. Who's he loving? You, me. Yeah. Who I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So, be earnest and repent. <laughs> You know, we could kick at the goads here, couldn't we? We could get angry with God. We could get angry with the truth of God's word. And we could say, wait, I, I just want the feel-good message. Wait, I, I just want the message that says God loves me. Well, let me tell you, he does love you. And because he loves you, he's going to rebuke you. <laughs> he's going to discipline you. That's the way it is. That's the truth of God's word. And if any man says different, he's a liar. If any religion teaches different, they're teaching you a false religion. God loves you, so therefore he's going to rebuke you and he's going to discipline you. So here's your response. Be earnest and repent. Say, I'm sorry. Say, yeah, God, you're right, I'm wrong. You're right, I'm wrong, and I'm not going to get mad about it. And I'm not going to hold a grudge against you, God. And I'm not going to give up on church. I'm not going to give up on being around godly people. I'm not going to soak my sorrows in alcohol or drugs or anything else. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be earnest. I'm going to repent. And I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And what repent means, repent means I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go the opposite direction and I'm not going to do that anymore by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 says, here I am. Again, who's speaking here? Yeah, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, here's what happens when a loving God rebukes and disciplines and you are earnest and repent and you open the door and you allow him to come in. You have relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he dines with you. And he eats with you. 
And it's not just for the moment, but it's forever. It's forever. That feast never stops. That revelation of who he is never stops. See, I don't want to skip that part. I don't want to skip that part. If that's what it takes for me to enter into his eternal kingdom, then I want all of it. I want all of it. God, if you love me, I want your rebuke. I want your discipline in my life because I don't want to live by Mike's man, Mike's made-up rules that make me happy for the moment but lead me to eternal death or destruction because Mike's made-up rules don't lead to eternal life. Only yours do. Only yours do. Therefore, I want to be guarded. I want to be grounded in God's Word. I want to read God's Word for what it says. I don't want to mix it up. I don't want to twist the words to what I want it to say. I want to read it, and I want to apply it, and I want to stand firm in it. Amen? So this morning, Jackie, if you would come. Hang on. You're not getting this on tape. Let's get just this. Just start over abbreviated from the beginning. <laughs> Moses, this is Moses' testimony. Moses' testimony. Been doing a lot of amens and a lot of sighs at the appropriate moment. And I just think it's so relevant to the sermon you just preached. And, um, and Moses doesn't do anything happenstance. He really does not. So I think all his little amens and, and sighs are for a reason. Right, Mo? And um, so I think it's so relevant to the clip you showed and everything you've been talking about. Um, you know, we could all wake up every day and just vision and the cortical vision is related to cerebral palsy and it means the way he sees is so different and and difficult but he does see he um he can't really eat or drink like you and i you know his his eating you know there's a lot of drooling and he can't uh, can't do it the same as you and i so there's all these can'ts that that we could say and yet everybody who knows moses well says things like you know does he ever quit smiling and all his pictures his classmates love him. He uses an iPad and, and manages to maneuver that thing and use it in every way imaginable. Um, you know, he can't walk, but he crawls. God's shown him a way to crawl. That's exactly right. If you saw him get on and off a couch, you know, on one hand you could look and it could break your heart, but I see it as, wow, look what he does. Um, there's just so many. What he can't do, God gave him a family. God gave him a wonderful church family. He gave him friends. He gave him a school system that supports him so wonderfully. So I think all of that is such a testament. God has a plan, and I think he's used Moses and, and his abilities and his life in such an amazing way. And so I guess it's just that same thing. We hear from people, you know, wow, you've done this thing. It's so not that. Every day he shows us.
and so many people around him, the opposite. Like, what do you got to complain for? Amen. 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 That's a great example of, of Moses. And, uh, you know, there's going to come a day when Moses is going to come out of that wheelchair. And he's going to be that little boy that's going to be running and jumping in, in heaven higher than any other little boy. Amen. He's going to be that little boy up there that's going to be just amazing. So this morning, as we, as we are examining our hearts, as we get ready for the Thanksgiving season this morning, as we take a look at all the things around us that we have to complain about or that we have to be thankful for, can I ask you the questions this morning? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Can we be thankful, truly thankful for the things God has given us? And then can we also then be asking the Lord to continue to challenge us, to continue to to help us get through those difficult times and in a good fashion, in a good way? Amen. Amen. Now, as we sing the song to close, I want to just open up the altars afterwards. If you need prayer at the end of the song, if you need prayer to say, Lord, I need some help, would you lay your pride down? for your own benefit, and could we pray with you that the Lord will help you get through this season? Sometimes Thanksgiving and Christmas seasons are hard on people. They're hard on people. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you as you go through this season to be thankful, to be allow God to process in you. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing and Scott's drumming to, and, and then after this we want to pray for a minute. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you. Now I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss 
those that want to go, but if you want prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to stick around. Lord, the power of the Lord is here. He was here last night powerfully at the end of last night. And I know the Lord has things he wants to help you with. And I don't want to rush through these things just to get out by 5 after 12. I want to, I want to linger here. If, if you want to linger, I want to just let you know that the Lord is here for you this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we're so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful, Lord Jesus, how you died for us and how you, you went to the cross for us and how you bore our sin and how as a result of that we have the freedom of eternal life. We choose you today, Jesus. We choose you. We choose you back. And now, God, I thank you for that. Now, I pray, God, as we go to our homes today, that you would just be so relevant to us. God, I pray that you would bring back the things in life that we need to be thankful for and help us to truly appreciate the goodness of God. And I pray for that. And I pray your power. I pray your power. Lord, as we linger in your presence here for a few minutes, I pray your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.